0: the chicago bears fall once again at home 25 to 20 to the philadelphia eagles but there were plenty of bright spots worth talking about in this game i bring on brandon robinson to help me walk through this one on this episode of bear with me What's going on everybody and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And the Bears have fallen once again, this time to 3-11 and as a scrappy game, certainly a game where the Bears ended up covering the spread for anybody who cares about that kind of thing, falls in favor of Philadelphia, but Brand- I'm here with Brandon Robinson. Brandon, I can't help but feel like this is, look, I understand that there are no moral victories in football and i'm not just saying it for sunshine's sake it feels as if this bears team is consistently rising above the standard that we expect them to be at even though they keep losing these games does the amount of losses disturb you or did this look like a pretty solid game in your book
1: uh i mean if you told me the game like if i was just box score watching and i saw exactly how the game went like i, w- I would have been optimistic about it because like y- you want to lose as many games as you can so you can have a really high draft pick but you also want to be as competitive as possible so that you can set that culture and not just a losing give up culture like cuz there's a lot of turnover on rosters but like there's still going to be quite a few guys that are on the roster next year so you want to have a good culture going into this year but uh, the injuries they pretty much marred like my optimism like the tevin jenkins like the tevin jenkins injury um whether it be spinal or back another back injury like it's it's a very devastating injury because for a guy that was that's so young that hasn't been able to overcome these injuries like that was pretty much the last thing that you would want to see like if you asked me to what are the three worst things that could happen like that would have been one of the three worst things that could happen. So that is really, really unfortunate, but uh, the Bears played hard today.
0: They did, and I mean, I've we've definitely got questions that I want to dig into later, but like you mentioned with the injuries, it wasn't just Tevin Jenkins. I mean, if you picked an important bear, they probably got hurt today. Jack Sanborn got hurt, left the game. Equinemius St. Brown got hurt on one of the first plays of the game and left the game, did not return. Justin Fields got hurt. And even though he came back into the game, that's obviously a scary moment. So like you're saying, Brandon, Jalen Johnson, uh, Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, we've gone through. I know I've repeated a couple of these names, but boy, oh boy, what a gruesome game for the Bears in terms of the players that continued to leave the field. It looked cold. It looked gritty out there, but seeing that kind of an injury list is never encouraging, even though the bears continued to battle within that space. So hopefully everybody's okay. I mean, it sounds like we could potentially be seeing a non-serious neck injury for Tevin Jenkins, but there's part of me that'll believe it when I see it, because how many neck injuries are non-serious? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Zero. Like, if if a guy hurts his neck, especially a guy that, is coming off of back injuries, like that is literally the last thing that you want. Like the very right. the very last thing. So it's a it's it's really scary. Hopefully he's all right. Not just be for the bear's sake, just for his future health sake. Hopefully he's all right.
0: Hopefully, but let's talk about the game really quickly. So obviously, the Bears' offense was loaded with ups and downs. I mean, when you take a look at the box score, Brandon, you see everything from the fact that Fields had that 39-yard could have been upwards of 45-ish yard touchdown run that ended up called out, but became a touchdown anyways. Fields has the touchdown flick at the end of the game. Fields even had a couple of plays in the quick game that aren't normally his style, but he was able to make work in in his favor. And sure, he had had one to two uh misses on those swing passes that are becoming a bit of a problem for him and clearly that's something you would expect him to work on in the off season those line of scrimmage throws but overall a relatively clean game from Fields except for the six sacks now look on this channel I've been a bit of a homer. So you tell me, Brandon, because I can always trust you to shoot straight. How many, when you hear Justin Fields taking six sacks, normally at least two or three of them have been on Justin. And so tell me, when I know you only got one look. We we don't have the all 22 yet. Did it feel like Justin Fields was holding onto the ball too long? Did it feel like receivers weren't getting open? Like, what do you think created the sack problems?
1: Yeah, so sacks are somewhat of a, of a quarterback stat, that being that it's your responsibility to get the ball out. But in saying that, like, the offensive line was getting whooped today. And it's not only that they were getting whooped, they were getting whooped quickly. So they were letting guys come off the edge. They were losing very quickly so that Justin Fields didn't really have an option. Alex Leatherwood was completely miserable to the point where he got benched. Reeve came in, was – Atrocious, just maybe just as atrocious. White hair got beat multiple, multiple times. Like it, it, just it was not a great look for this offensive line at all.
0: No, and for what it's worth, Brandon Reef and uh, Leatherwood were on a rotation, from what I understand. Like what they were doing mm-hmm. earlier with Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick. But I don't blame your eye for thinking that did Leatherwood, Leatherwood come got back in the game. What did Leatherwood come
1: back into the game? I, I'm I not sure. I so I don't think point, he came back into the game in the second half.
0: He may have lost his rotation, so to speak, yeah. once he got beaten. <laughs> yeah,
1: like he I, I kind of think that's
0: what happened. But, but like you're saying, I mean, it is a bummer because – I understand that I can be a complete quarterback Homer for Justin Fields. I mean, there's not a lot around him, but we do still need to assess blame where Justin Fields had some, there were a couple missed throw today. that one to commit that or a couple on the line of scrimmage, like we mentioned, but when a quarterback, from what I understand, you correct me if I'm wrong, takes the snap drops back in the pocket, and you see him hit the back of his drop and he's already under pressure, that's a pretty clear offensive line problem that you have to fix, right? The real issue for quarterbacks is when they stand there, they hitch a few times, and then they take a sack, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. And especially when you got receivers that aren't coming open right away. like it, it It's just the two worst things that you want for a quarterback are receivers that don't get open right away and an offensive line that loses right away because that's just – there's nothing a quarterback can do and nope. the Bears were put in that position.
0: Right. And you tell me, because you've actually been in coaching rooms sometimes, should the left side of the line be having such a problem with stunts? Like, at some point, should they be able to pass stunts off? Because it feels like Braxton Jones and Cody Whitehair have given up a sack on a stunt almost once a week at this point. I mean, it, tell me, like, am I crazy? Or past a certain point, is it just a coaching problem?
1: No, I mean, at a certain point, it, like, as, as a coach, you're either, you're, either, you're either coaching it to happen or allowing it to happen. And losing on stunts continuously, it, like, that, that is that is an issue because there's only a certain amount of stunts that you can run. There's only a certain amount of stunts you can draw up because, they're, like, guys aren't running a six-man line of scrimmage. So you're only getting two guys at max, three guys on one side of the line of scrimmage. So there's only so many combinations of movement the D-line can give you that there shouldn't be continuous confusion to the point where you're giving up sacks every week on those stunts.
0: It sure seems that way. I mean, like I can't make it clear enough. I'm not an offensive line coach. So there's a lot of this stuff that I can look at and say that seems like a problem, but I don't know how easy it is to fix. But boy, Cody Whitehair and uh, Braxton Jones have really struggled passing those things off. And it feels as if you get a free rusher inside that. What would it be? The B gap? like, uh, relatively often to say the least. And it's nice to see fields do some crazy things. I mean, for as often as we see fields get sacked, it feels like once or for every chance fields gets sacked, there's also one to two to three plays a game where fields makes a play with the, with the ball in his hands after a play breaks down in the pocket. So it's nice to see fields get his, if he's going to give some up, but it also did seem like, and Brandon, you'll laugh because we're not going to be talking about something that sends you to Canton, but it feels like fields is doing a better job today of distributing the ball to his checkdowns, namely in David Montgomery, which is a nice small step forward. It's by no means getting all the way to the moon, right? But this is something we didn't see fields doing earlier in the season. It does seem like the, the, standard fair drop back and pass quarterback. Part of the game is get, becoming a little bit more natural to him. As time goes on, even with receivers like this, are you seeing the same thing?
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, cause that's, that's when you're playing with this kind of offensive line and this kind of receiving core, that's what you want. You want him throwing it to the back continuously. Cause the thing is when you're moving the chains, when you're getting it to the backs and you're getting it out quickly, then the, then the defensive line starts anticipating that. And that completely screws up their rush when you do that. Like, you see Tom Brady, like, that's what he's known for is getting getting it to the back quickly because it screws up, and, that, and that's the thing with him. He doesn't take sacks because he gets it to the backs really quickly. Like, he hasn't had an all-star offensive line his whole career, so he's had to make it, and it seems like it because he doesn't get sacked so much, because he gets it to, off to the back quickly, and if and if Fields can can do continue to get better at this, it's very it's a very very good sign.
0: I think so. And like you're saying, I mean, you mentioned Tom Brady. I don't know if fields will ever, it would be neat if he did, but I don't know if fields will ever be fast enough to really take the, or take the snap immediately, see pressure and immediately get the ball out, especially given that he just cracked a thousand yards. So congratulations to him. I mean, I can't believe we're saying this Brandon because it felt as if fields only really began to threaten defenses as a rusher, maybe five weeks into the season, but He's on the doorstep of setting Lamar's rushing record again. Can you believe what he's doing on the ground?
1: No, because we've gotten to the point where he's done it so many weeks consecutively that I'm saying to myself, yeah, this is probably going to be the week where he doesn't have burst off in a long run. And, and that happened like three weeks ago. And right. then the next week comes, he's probably not going to, and then he does. And then, he, I mean, he probably, and then we get to the best defense in the NFL, and you're like, yeah. Probably not. You see his rushing prop get up, get up to the seventy-two and a half, and it's like, yeah, that's, he's probably not going to get over that because we're going to hit regression at some point. And then he hit them with one of the wildest scramble runs that I've ever seen in my entire life. Like he even hit the spin move that he never hits. He was he yeah, out of bounds, but he actually hit the spin move that he never hits. Like I, like I, I don't say this lightly because I, I love Lamar and he is an amazing runner one of the best runners in the entire NFL. But I think we got to the point where Justin Fields is actually a better runner of the football than Lamar is, which is something I would have never imagined saying coming into this year.
0: No, never. I mean – I never would have imagined this of all the players in the NFL, Brandon. It would have been, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, it would have been profiling that would have suggested that Justin Fields is a running quarterback coming out of Ohio State. You knew he had juice in his legs. It wasn't a matter of is he fast enough, right? But you and I've talked about this offline all the time, Brandon. There's a huge difference between what somebody does at the combine, what somebody shows that they can do and what they try to do in a game. This kind of rushing dynamism that we've seen from Justin Fields threatening with his legs as if it is one of the only weapons that this offense really has. He did not do this at Ohio State. At Ohio State, his game was take the snap, drop into the pocket, find Garrett Wilson, surprise, he's open, or look at Chris Olave and guess what, Brandon? He's open too, against almost every single team that they're playing against, and throw it to them. Watching Fields evolve his game to match what his offense needed feels to me like an understated story, and obviously everybody in Bears world would be like understated story what are you talking about and i really feel like brandon it's it's not being talked about enough that this this offense can't house a pocket passer right now if you put mac jones if you put uh, you mentioned tom brady let's use aaron Rodgers or tom brady within this offense even with darnell mooney this is not a friendly offense for any pocket passer so for fields to surge the way that he has as a rusher has given this offense the tools it needs to score points and it scored points 20 points against the Eagles with Nassimba Webster as what ended up being your wide receiver two on the day feels incredible. You know what I mean? Like, and it's all because Fields is threatening enough to pull guys like Darius Slay just a little bit too far forward to drop bombs over the top. It's, it feels like an offense truly built around a quarterback. And I feel like you can't have an offense like that and not give the quarterback credit for it being able to exist at all, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's the worst supporting casts in the NFL by a pretty wide margin. And I don't I don't say that I don't say that lightly at all. The Titans have a very bad supporting cast, but they also have Robert Woods and Traylon Burks and Derrick Henry. And the Bears have none of those guys. So yeah, it and, and the thing that is so impressive oppre- impressive with Justin Fields is he's doing it on his own. Like these aren't Quarterback – all these long runs are not quarterback-designed runs. Like, a couple of them have been zone reads where he's pulling the ball. But, again, that's his decision, and he's not getting a lead blocker. Like, it's not – the line isn't being designed to block for him. So he's making this happen all on his own. Like, it it can't be understated. Like, he's doing it all on his own and making it happen. Like, as you said, like, you, you can't talk about this stuff enough. Like you seriously cannot talk about what he's doing enough because it, it like it's so, so incredibly impressive.
0: hmm. And the best part is, Brandon, when we look to cross the formation, let's talk a little bit about the defense. I mean, I want to hear your take on how Allen Williams was able to keep a 25 point lid on this Philadelphia Eagles offense, let alone generate two interceptions. But let's save that for a brief moment. When you look at what the talent on Philadelphia was able to do for the Eagles offense, I think it's very obvious just how by himself Justin Fields looks right now. That's not to dunk on David Montgomery. I thought he had a couple of really hard runs today, like good for David Montgomery and some of the running backs and some of the pieces of the running game. But when AJ Brown is separating for 180 plus yards, When Devontae Smith looks borderline uncoverable, if not outright uncoverable, yes, Jalen Hurts is throwing pretty, pretty passes, at least, you know, outside of the two interceptions, right? But when these receivers are creating these windows, you can see opportunities to play football in a way that Justin Fields just can't right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you are not getting that kind of separation downfield consistently along the sidelines for those teardrop rainbows on or out of Equinamia St. Brown that a guy like AJ Brown was creating. And I can't help, but feel like if there was something that would really help fields take off, even if just from a box score perspective within the passing game, Brandon it to be getting a dude like that. Yeah. I
1: mean, Jalen hurts is favored to win the MVP right now. And in my opinion, he wasn't the best quarterback on the field today. Like, and that might just be today. Which is stark. But I, yeah, I like I truly don't. He, I mean, he, he really didn't have his fastball today. If you ask Jalen Hurts, you're probably going to see in the, in the press conference today because that's that's the type of humble, honest dude that Jalen Hurts is. He's going to tell you that it was probably his worst game of the season. Like, he played very, very poorly. He missed, missed some throws, uh, quite a few throws. His interceptions were horrid like (laughs) aj like for as good as good as jalen johnson was playing he had quite a bit of separation on those downfield throws that jalen hurts missed just by a small amount that like that if he hits those this game doesn't look close this game doesn't look like it does
0: right And speaking of, you mentioned the interceptions and that they were awful. I can't help feeling like this might have been Kyler Gordon's best game of the season. Actually, might, might not be doing it justice. Feels like it was. You tell me, did Kyler, I understand talking about a nickel corner on the broadcast is completely unfair, right? Like the all 22 is what really tells the story. But did you feel like Kyler Gordon, who has played quite poorly throughout this season, took a step forward after the bye week?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would. I just as you said, like I think it's it's pretty pretty tough to evaluate like any like any DBs except if they're getting targeted every single play, like Jalen Johnson, like Jalen Johnson, like unlike, unless they're getting targeted almost every play, it's very very difficult to evaluate DBs. Um, in saying that, the the interception that he had was pretty impressive. Um, It looked like he had curl flat and he was extending out to the flat and not only just gaining depth, but not just guarding grass and watching the quarterback. Like He actually was looking up uh, A.J. Brown and gaining depth that way because when you look up receivers, when you're playing zone coverage, you can gain a lot more grass and gain the the exact amount of ground that you should be gaining and in the right areas. But in saying that, like, Jalen Hurts completely forced that interception, and Jalen Johnson might have intercepted that if Kyler Gordon didn't intercept that.
0: So when you say looking up the receiver, because you mentioned Kyler Gordon looking up uh, A.J. Brown, tell me what that means from a DB perspective. Like, it, I, I know I've heard the word zone eyes before, but explain to the listeners what you mean by that.
1: So when I mean looking up a receiver, so a lot of times you'll see linebackers in the NFL and you'll just see them looking at the quarterback just dropping into area. When I mean looking up a, a receiver, that means turning turning your head in seeing the next closest receiver in your zone or just out of your zone and then relating. So moving in that direction, So that you're taking away the window that the quarterback would have.
0: Okay. So it's basically like, I mean, we've talked about guarding grass on the channel before. This is basically, it's not quite pattern match zone. I take it, but it's, it's similar to finding work as an offensive lineman, right? It's basically saying, am I useless? And if so, how do I make myself useful? And so Kyler Gordon, in theory, like if we were talking about Madden, would have just stood there, and that throw might have been there. I mean, you mentioned Jalen Johnson potentially getting on it, but Gordon created the interception because of honestly decent mental understanding. That's got to be a good step forward for a corner that has honestly seemed about as lost as anybody else on the defense at times, right?
1: Yeah, because that's that's not something that you naturally do. So that's something that he's taking – coaching and being able to apply it on the field which is which is really really good you like you, you want to see that and especially from the nickel position the position i think that he's going to end up playing long term so being able to see him make plays at that specific spot is really really nice
0: I think so. I mean, especially given I know you've been hard on him in the past, but the fact that he's learning to play outside corner at the NFL level and inside corner, which I think goes understated how hard nickel corner is to play at the NFL level, even more so, Brandon, I can't help but feel like watching Kyler Gordon this season has been like watching a guy who has been the dude from an athletic perspective, his entire life realized that he's not the dude at this level and that he can play perfectly good football, but it's not going to be by cheating. The way that he may be used to, right? It's not going to be by cheating forward and flipping his hips and getting back and having the speed to just gain ground on the guy behind him, right? Going all the way back to San Fran, Kyler Gordon has consistently flipped his hips a little bit late or challenge throws a little bit late because it looked as if he was accustomed to a collegiate window. Hopefully, I mean, if he is starting to really find a feel at corner, the Bears might be able to get some real value out of him going forward. But that would be that's something that I feel like we're going to be able to see more of on the All Twenty Two, and frankly, in the next three weeks, you know.
1: Yeah, and it, and nickel corner gets completely devalued at every single level of football, but tr- like truly, that is a, an extremely valuable position. Like in all levels of football, and if you get a guy that can truly excel at that position, it just truly heightens the level of your defense.
0: How do you feel like Allen Williams was able to kind of keep a lid on this Philadelphia offense, or do you feel like the Philly offense just shot themselves in the foot a couple times?
1: Yeah, I gotta be honest. I'm not like I'm not gonna give him a whole lot of credit. Like they were they were loading the box and and putting putting the corners on island. And Jalen Hurts just completely played a very, very poor game. Um, So I'm not going to give him a whole lot of credit. Sorry, Alan.
0: No, I think that makes sense. I mean, I kind of found myself thinking the same thing where it almost felt. okay. so years ago, Brandon, the Bears took on uh, Bruce Arians as Buccaneers, the ones that I believe would go on to win the Super Bowl on Thursday Night Football. You probably remember that game right? Mm-hmm. When Nick Foles yep. beat Tom Brady 20 to 19. And within that game, Ronald Jones had 6.8 yards per carry. And I'm looking up right now what Miles Sanders had, but the Philadelphia Eagles seemed as if they were be- having a perfectly successful day on the ground. They just didn't want to run it. Right. And so because yeah. they passed the ball the entire game, it feels like they kind of just ran themselves out of a productive day on offense. Looking at this now, granted the stats are not kind. They're saying that Miles Sanders had 11 carries for 42 yards. That's a 3.8 yard average. So for all I know, maybe the bears really were loading the box, begging the Eagles to pass it. And the Eagles were just following suit and throwing it just like they should have been, but felt like the bears were able to create pressure for the first time in weeks. Uh, even if it was only a semi consistent basis, what a weird game! I mean, no play weirder and no play better described today than when Miles Sanders caught that check down and uh, Mike Pinnell, I think it was just tackled him normally and the ball popped out, right? I mean, it was just the Bears' day to some extent, huh?
1: Yeah, and it, and like the, the timing of it was perfect for the Bears, too, because if it was. Any closer, it would have been an incomplete pass. So, like he hit hit him right when he was securing the ball, and right as he wasn't expecting to get hit, and that's why he fumbled. And yeah, it was it was just it was it was one of those games where the Eagles were getting a couple of bounces, the Bears were getting a couple of bounces, and the Eagles just made just enough plays to be able to win the game.
0: And I can't help but feel like Brandon. Now I understand there are going to be plenty of people out there that aren't going to agree with this, but it feels like uh, just about a perfect result. For Chicago, because had the Eagles or had the Eagles not gotten a couple of those bounces, let I'll cite Bayless Jones's fumble, for instance. Who, by the way, Bayless Jones is just doing nothing to help the bad reputation that he's beginning to form on Twitter. I mean, you could call some of these like physical mistakes or unlucky plays. I mean, like I am a fan of Bayless Jones's toolkit, but boy, oh, boy, you muff two punts and have a critical fumble against the Eagles, and you're going to start to get some people. N- not enjoying watching you play football to say the least, but. The Bears end up with a game where Justin Fields walks out healthy. You know, I guess maybe there's a small asterisk, but Fields walks out healthy. Fields played a perfectly okay game. The Bears continued to lose for draft position's sake, but they were really competitive as they went. I understand that there are plenty of people out here not looking for moral victories. They want to see that signature win on the season, but I can't help but feel like these games are ultimately more helpful for the future of the franchise than if they did actually – successfully complete the upset because all the upset does is drive their draft position a few slots further down and look at uh, look at Houston in the last two weeks back-to-back games where Houston has been right on the line of winning it and if Houston wins two more games the Bears have a reasonable shot at the number one overall pick right Brandon
1: yeah I mean they you, you think about the, how the Jets beat the Rams was it two three years ago and we if they didn't win that game, they would have Trevor Lawrence instead, <laughs> instead of Wilson, instead of Zach Wilson, and that, like right. that, that right there is a difference because you see Trevor Lawrence carrying his team to maybe the playoffs, and Zach, awesome. Zach Wilson is doing the exact opposite. He's holding his team back from potentially making the playoffs. So, like little. Quote unquote, moral victories will not do anything for your team in the long run. Which you you want to see, moral victories as in
0: you mean real victories,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. moral victories that are actually victories (laughs) like those will not matter. But, But having the number two pick, like that could potentially matter a lot.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, I can't emphasize enough there's a nothing weird about cheering for your team. B, if you're not somebody who's out there cheering for the Bears to lose, I don't blame you during the game. I can't either, right? Like I can't, Brandon, suck it up and say, I hope we mess up because I just can't do it. Uh, But then at the end of the game, When the dust has settled, it really does help the Bears a lot more to be dropping these games. And for us to say, this is what I said to a friend of mine, just as the game ended, Brandon, we may end the season saying Matt Eberflus was 0-11 in close games. And what things would have looked like had this Bears team not played the way that it has, not been as successful, yes, successful as it has been, especially on offense, we would be saying the Bears are 0-4. In close games, right, Brandon? As silly as it is, yes, the losses are mounting. I get it. But they are so tight. And because they're all going in one way, if these are all coin flip games, the idea would be that their one game or their uh, one score game luck, so to speak, should regress next year in the positive direction. They should win a lot more of these one score games because they're going to add talent and that talent will be the difference. I completely understand. I really do. I completely understand anybody out there that just hates this talk of losing being a good thing. But at the end of the season, I do not believe it's going to make a doggone difference in the minds of free agents that the Bears went 4-13 and 13 instead of 3-14. and 14. I don't think it's going to make a lick of difference within the locker room that they won that one extra game against the Vikings B team in week 18 or that they upset the lions and keep them out of the playoffs. That's a feel good moment for Nisimba Webster. And then Nisimba Webster gets cut the season after that, right? Like this is a team that's going to drastically shake up its culture by drastically shaking up its roster in the off season. All those new guys are coming to Chicago without the baggage that this season brings to them. This feels like a good result. It feels like it's fun to watch football, anyways. I mean, I expected a lot more blowouts and a lot more ugly games, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, and when you talk about bringing new guys
1: in, like if you've ever been around football players, like they're gonna step in and come into the locker room and not care about the past losses because they're gonna think that they that. Those losses happen without me. That's like that's what they're gonna tell them. <laughs> like those losses happen without me. If I was here, those losses would not happen. Like th- that is the type of mentality that a majority of football players have, and they will not care.
0: I I can't wait. Because I mean, whether it's somebody like uh, Draymond Jones or Durant Payne or Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, I mean, I struggle to imagine somebody not having that attitude, Brandon, where they say, Yeah, this team was close and I'm the difference, right? Not even a weird of the difference, and I'm the difference mentality. And I think that that can lift up the culture of the locker room just as well as anything else. And that the bears don't have to finish five and 12 to be upbeat about the next year. I, I completely understand. I'll say this again. I completely understand not wanting to see your team lose, not wanting to rejoice over the team losing, but I can't help but feel like Brandon in a word, the, the bears have done the let's win a few games at the end of the season thing a lot in my lifetime i'm sure you've seen it a lot in your lifetime teams that were or the bears go from five and eight to eight and eight over the last three weeks of the season the bears go from four and seven to eight and eight or nine and seven or seven and nine i remember so many seven and nine seasons that were lifeless bears seasons and then guess what they didn't pick all that high anyways the bears actually managing to have a starlet quarterback in the middle of a season where they may end up with a top three pick in the draft feels like the perfect season for Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham. And if anything, it makes me wonder how they'll manage things going down the stretch, but we're just going to have to wait and see what that's going to look like. Any other takeaways from this game, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, like are you evaluating the coaches this year or are you waiting to see what they do with better talent?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too negative, but like, there are only a certain amount of game management and positions that Everett has is put into that, like, like it, it's it's and it's reoccurring to the point where I seriously question whether he has somebody in the box that helps him with those game management situations. Like punting the ball from the thirty-one yard line should never happen. Does it never make a difference
0: it. that Cairo Santos said, "I don't want to kick it," according to the broadcast?
1: Yeah, I would like. I would throw the kicker right under the bus too. Like that. <laughs> like that. I I would throw him under the bus too. Bigger like that's a, what is that? Like forty six. It's forty nine
0: yard field goal. That's like, sub fifty.
1: I, I I just it doesn't even. Yeah, it, that that should never happen. Like go for. It. Like if that is the case them go for it. You have Justin Fields, you know he'll run the ball. Like You shouldn't be punting the ball, because if it goes into the end zone, that is a net of 11 yards. I would rather go for it. I don't even know it was 4th and whatever. Do not care. It could be 4th and 15. I would have rather gone for it.
0: Did you feel like or did you like the Bears decision? So one thing you and I have talked about offline is that we feel like people scrutinize the whole fourth down thing too much. Like coaching doesn't come down to fourth down calls, right? As much as we may talk about like go for this, don't go for this game management matters, but there's a lot more to being a head coach than making the right call on fourth down. I thought the Eagles made a really weird decision going for that fourth and six that they didn't get. Uh, I I couldn't help but feel like plain as day. The odds just weren't in their favor there. If I remember correctly, it was a one score game. They were at like the 45 yard line uh, and they went for it. Jalen Johnson came up with a big pass deflection that gave the Bears the ball back. I liked that they were willing to go for it on that early fourth and three. And it seemed as if the play was there. And that was one of fields misses on the day. And the throw did just seem like it was behind Dante Pettis, which is fine, but it's, It's interesting to just see that it feels like Matt Eberflus has somehow become more aggressive on fourth down than Matt Nagy has been or was in Chicago, which is not something I think I saw coming, Brandon. I mean, Matt Eberflus, for as much as I know, uh, he's like running a 4-3 defense that's reminiscent of 2006. Not everybody is a huge fan of running a defense, so uh, let's call it traditional uh and just leave it at that but it does feel like coming from comments like Matt Eberflus uh kind of laughing at the idea of taking Roquan Smith at what he thought was pick number 5 and what we are seeing from a fourth down perspective it does seem like Matt Eberflus gets it so to speak did do you pick up any of that or does it just seem like things are turning up the right way for him right now and the wheels may come off in the future
1: i kind i kind of think that that's one like we've come such a long way that that's one thing that we still give coaches credit for, for just doing the bare minimum for like making the right decision in these, like in the obvious, most obvious position, like fourth and two go for it. Like, Oh, that's a great, great job being aggressive there. Like, no, like it should be automatic. It should be to the point where these coaches don't even have to think about it. Because they've gone through these scenarios in practice, in preseason, in games, enough to where they automatically know the situation and they know what's supposed to happen. And same thing with the offense coordinator. Like, there should be very little communication between those two because they know the situation and they know what the head coach is going to say so that they have a play in mind that they know that they're going to run so that they don't waste time. Right. There's no, I mean, like, oh, well, I, I should I go for it? Uh, Ten seconds went by, and, and then you call, like, your worst play call in that
0: situation. Right. You force it. It, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the worst part is, Brandon, like you're talking about, I feel like we grade coaches off of the lowest common denominator, right? Like, every Nathaniel Hackett makes us praise the coaches that do the basics, you know? Like, the going for it on fourth and six. Now, that is aggressive. You know, like that is that's a fourth down that you're like, oh, wow, the odds are probably not in your favor here. And you're doing it anyways to make a point. It didn't work, but that's at least a a call that we would call aggressive. Normally, it's just extreme conservatism that drives us to pat somebody on the back for QB sneaking it on fourth and one and converting something that is converted. I think last I saw it's like 80% of the time, right? So I get what you're saying, where if the math is well in your favor then why pat somebody on the back? But I can't help express again, Brandon, that as a fan, sometimes it can feel like every time you think that that's the basics, some professional head coach comes along and chooses not to and loses because of it. And you're like, how are we still doing this? And just you almost accept it as some kind of coaching truth, you know?
1: Yeah, I honestly think five years from now, a situation like that's not going to be considered aggressive. Like you tell me, I have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Hurts, who can run, run it. And you tell me, I know, as a defensive play caller, a, a fourth down, I'm most likely playing man coverage. So if I, if you tell me I have AJ Brown in man coverage, I'm saying yes, please go for it, automatic, 100. percent I'm going for it, fourth and Makes six, sense. I don't care, fourth and fourth and seven, go for it, because I know that they are likely not covering AJ Brown Jalen Johnson made a wonderful play I probably like in those situations like I would probably choose the easier matchup and, and go and go at Devonte Smith because you're, you're getting Jones who is not very good but they chose and it didn't work
0: which hey, credit to Jalen Johnson, but I get what you mean. I honestly, I wish we could get better answers sometimes from these head coaches, just in their post game pressers, so that we could really see what that thought process looked like instead of standard coach speak. But then again, if coaches were that honest, people would consider it a competitive advantage against them. So we're probably not going to get it
1: overall. Though well, rim- and also they don't want to put themselves in a situation to look dumb, right? right. <laughs> <And> they, like <laughs> if, if they were being completely honest. They don't want to put themselves in a situation to, to be fooled. Like and, they don't want to say, like, "Oh, I messed up because I, like, I thought this, I, I, I thought Like, and then everybody says, "Oh, what an idiot!" Even <laughs> though that it's something human, like something that just happens and through the course of the game.
0: Right. And I mean, it's so funny because we could pick at things like, for instance, I remember an early third and one where the Bears drop back past on third down and one, despite them being a very good quarterback sneak team throughout this season. And of course, it didn't work. They took a massive loss and they had to punt the ball away. But this season's so weird, Brandon, that if you told me that Luke Getzey and Justin Fields and this Bears offense were just kind of trying things throughout the last couple games of this season to see what's what should we keep? next year and what should we just get rid of or what can we rep i just about believe you because past a certain point a coach has to understand what they're doing when the team is three and ten but that's not to say they're trying to lose it's more to say that they're thinking well we don't do this often maybe we'd be able to get one over on them but even scrutinizing play calls like that that feels like something you do when your team's in the playoff hunt we're not there right now So when it comes to my final thought, before I pass it to you for yours, this was another good game for the Bears. Justin Fields came out healthy, even if he was just about the only one. It sucks that the Bears keep losing players, but at the very least, the players that we are losing, like Brandon, if we thought about everything in terms of these players are playing for the right to be on the roster in 2023, a lot of the players that are going down are the known people that we want to keep for 2023. It does not hurt that valus jones is getting a bunch of receiver reps despite the fact that he's not doing much with them it does not hurt that we're getting to see tape of what can you do for me right now are you worth one of six receiver spots next year because we're not going to have we're not going to have that many right jack sanborn he's had a bunch of really good weeks hopefully he comes back hopefully he's healthy but certainly that injury doesn't seem like something that would hamper him next august and so if we want to see a little bit more linebacker depth this is our chance I I feel like this game worked out for the better for Chicago. Justin Fields is continuing to gain more and more and more experience, even in these games that crazy people just like me would have said, maybe it's best to just bench fields for these games. It seems as if with plays like the one that we saw he almost scored on and the touchdown to Byron Pringle, we're seeing fields even without a supporting cast take steps forward. And in trying to control what he can control, it feels like a great season for Chicago. And really the only thing that I'm worried about, and this isn't really a worry, Brandon, it's just making sure that everybody's on the same page, about what we're watching these games for, right? Because, I'm sure we're going to see more articles about how Matt Eberflus can't finish well. I'm sure we're going to see more articles about how Fields isn't a developed passer and that's a problem and the Bears should consider moving on from him in the draft. I mean, we're, we're seeing all kinds of narrative stuff that comes out around this time of season that treats the Bears like this season has been a colossal failure. And I will point back to the fact that they're spending the least cap out of anybody in the NFL right now on their offense and their defense. Second least on offense, second least on defense. You combine it together Together, it's dramatically less than anybody else in the nfl by at least 10 million dollars in terms of just cash spent on their roster this roster was not built to win and it hasn't surprised anybody and won. and while i think the lions are awesome like really brandon i do i look at that team and i feel like it's built well for the future i can't help but feel like if you are the lions or you're in a spot like the lions who granted they're especially unusual because the Rams have them or have given them a pick at the top of the draft. You got to wonder what they're going to do with Jared Goff. And as good as Jared Goff's playing now, will he continue to do so? It feels like a situation like the bears is honestly a, a situation that might be easier to be covetous of because they've got a ton of draft resources in a free agent class. That's strong where their team is weak. And you've got a draft pick shaping up to be one of the highest in the draft. And should it be so high that you, can trade down and continue to gather resources you'll add a ton of talent to or to the team over the offseason overall i couldn't be more excited about this game the needle didn't move and fields got a little bit better but what do you think final thoughts
1: yeah
0: i mean coming
1: coming into this season to me like i thought there was no way that they could possibly be competitive for a playoff spot so my perfect season was seeing them lose as many games as possible and for Justin Fields to prove that he's the franchise guy. And to me, they've lost as many games as they possibly could. And Fields has proven himself, especially in games like this, especially in these one score games, he's having to, he by himself is the reason why these games are close. And he's proven to me that he is the franchise guy. He's the guy that I want to build this entire team around. So, yeah, like I can't be more optimistic about the future and optimistic about this season. Like it's been the perfect season. Like it feels almost too perfect based on what we were expecting coming into the year.
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, for crying out loud, Brandon, you bring up a good point where if you took a look at this offense right now, which is basically, okay. If you were going to say plus players on the Bears offense today, and I will even make it so hard as to say this is after Tevin Jenkins and after ESB go down, right? Would you consider Montgomery a plus player? Not to put you on the spot. Yes or no? No. Okay. So it's just fields then right? He's the only plus player on the offense. They still scored 20 points against the NFL's best defense. And in theory, if your defense had a little bit more talent, you might be able to win that game with your quarterback being the only guy back there. So now you add back Darnell Mooney. Now you add back Chase Claypool. Now you add potentially another wide receiver that they get in free agency. I don't know. It could be anybody. That's not the point of this show right? You add a better offensive line. You add a Tony Pollard like running back or just put Khalil Herbert back in the lineup for crying out loud. You have to think the offense looks a little bit better If the quarterback can score 20 points basically by himself, you add a little bit more talent. The offense, like that rising tide, should lift all boats. You add talent to the defense. The opposing offense shouldn't score quite as much. I'm not trying to say that every single game for next year that, like, 2023 is going to be a cakewalk 14-3 and season. Don't take me the wrong way, Brandon. But like you're mentioning... Fields is doing so much of this basically by himself. It's got to be the ultimate kind of exciting where you say in a world where everybody's hurt, he is legitimately giving us a chance to win these games anyways, no matter how outmatched we are. And that is like the mark of a franchise quarterback, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the, you,
1: you kind of put them in categories, quarterbacks that you win, because I mean you lose because they lose you games quarterbacks you win with and then quarterbacks you win because of and Justin Fields is putting himself into those positions that if they win any of these games they're winning because of him and having a quarterback that you win because of is very exciting
0: very exciting well Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. What can people watch for as you move into this off season and just not that we're all the way at the off season yet, but what kind of work can people be looking for you at at your handle? B Rob NFL.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on a lot of draft stuff right now. Uh, I'm going through the coach, the coaching cycle turn, which is very, very exciting and very, very scary for all, all coaches. I, I pray for all the coaches that could possibly be listening to this um because there's a lot of a lot of unknown right now um but i'll be spending a lot of time recruiting and and also looking at some of these prospects the bears could be targeting next year
0: should be fun can't wait to get into our draft stuff but we got three more bears games left folks bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me